making a word of apology uh, to a handful of people, as well as to thank a handful of people, and they are one and the same. So first of all, uh, thank you to all of our readers. Uh, we're so thankful for uh, the work that you guys put in and uh, reading your languages today. And at the same time, I am certain that on the screen up, up above me, at some point I misspelled or mistyped something in your language, and I had no clue because I only speak English and uh, I don't speak any of the languages that I was typing, so if I did uh, misspell something or, or had a, the wrong word up there, I sincerely apologize. I also want to say a special word of thanks to Trevor Dobson, who is up in the balcony upstairs, because he was, he's waving, uh, he was following along to the best of his ability, uh, and he doesn't speak any of these languages either. And so thank you, Trevor, for being willing to uh, run our slides each and every Sunday as well as today. I also need to say a word of apology to uh, Gabrielle because uh, I, I know I sound super smart. I guarantee you I'm not. Uh, most of you guys have figured that out by now, but I am so thankful to be here today. I'm so thankful to everybody who has participated and who has made this international service a possibility. Uh, we are in the midst of a series called Ten Words right now, and the word for today is a beautiful expression of what we have already done. And so what we have already done in witnessing and in participating in this international service is a better example uh, of the phileo love than anything that I could ever say, but I'm going to give it my best shot for the next few minutes here together today. Last week we talked about agape, which of course in Greek is translated as love. And John Mark talked about how agape is this transformative love, how it's God's love that changes us. It, it comes into our hearts and it, it, it changes us to look more closely like Jesus. And today we're talking about phileo love, which is another Greek word that gets translated as love. And so many of you are probably wondering, why are we talking about love two weeks in a row? Well, we did tell you from the very beginning that the whole goal of this series is for us to learn how we can love God and love our neighbors better. And so I think it's more than appropriate that we spend two weeks at least on the topic of love, and hopefully we will return to it many, many times in the future. But I do want to tell you at the start that this word phileo, uh, it, the way that we translate it, it we, we say the word love, but what it means is this respect, this admiration. Uh, it's this idea that, uh, that the way that you love somebody else is to lift them up and to consider them as more important than yourself. And so you can see in Scripture how that idea comes through in many different places. And so last week we talked about agape, the, the love that God uses to transform us and change us to look more and more like Christ. And this week the word phileo, this love that means that we respect and we admire one another, that, that the love and care that we give to each other uh, helps us to see more clearly the image of God in the other person uh, rather than looking at ourselves and thinking of ourselves as more important than anyone else. Today we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospel of John. And so if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn over to John. And uh, if you don't have a Bible in the pew right in front of you, hopefully you can find a Bible located there. And our passage for today is going to be found on page 1668. And uh, we're going to be reading in John chapter 11 here in just a few moments. But before we do, uh, I want to quickly take us through a couple of the ways that John uses the word phileo in, in his gospel, because it shows up all over the place, as well as the word agape. And so I want to talk about these two words in John's gospel, because John uses these words kind of uniquely in the New Testament. A lot of times, John uses both of these words interchangeably at some points, and he wants us to understand that agape and phileo have a lot in common with one another. They're two distinct kinds of love, and yet they have overlap, and they can be used together. So the very first place that I want to draw your attention to, you don't have to turn over there, but in John chapter 21, this is probably the most famous example of where we see these two words, agape and phileo, 
and, and use together. Because Jesus has come to Peter at the end uh, of the gospel, and, and Jesus has been resurrected at this point, and he comes to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, agape. Do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And back and forth they go, back and forth they go. And the point of this passage is not uh, for us to understand that Peter doesn't love Jesus enough, but the point of the passage is for us to understand that what Jesus is doing is to reinstate Peter. Peter, who had three times denied Jesus, now has three opportunities to confess his love for Jesus. And Peter responds to Jesus each time, Lord, I phileo you, I respect you, I admire you. You are as close to me as a brother. And so Peter has an opportunity to, to share his love for Christ, the, the way that he respects him and admires him, and that he will, for the rest of his life, remember what Jesus has done for him. Well, that's probably the most famous example of these two words being used, but sometimes when we talk about agape and phileo, we also talk about uh, how agape can mean God's love for us, and phileo is our love that we have for one another. But John doesn't always ascribe to that same idea, because in John chapter 5, we find a, a very interesting passage, John chapter 5, verse 20, where Jesus uh, is speaking, and he says that God the Father loves me, the Son. And in that passage, what Jesus says is, God phileo me. And so instead of God saying, I agape Jesus, Jesus says that God phileos me. And so here, John is using these two words, not because they're, they're completely separate from each other, but because they have overlap. And there are things in common with these two different kinds of love. And so, of course, God the Father agapes Jesus. He's got this transformative love uh, that changes the universe. And yet also, there's this respect and admiration between God the Father and God the Son. One more example, and then I promise we'll get to John chapter 11. In John chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus talking to his disciples says this very thing. He says that God phileos his disciples. He loves them. He respects them and admires them. There's mutual admiration between these two people. And so in John's gospel, when John uses these two words, he doesn't want us to understand that they're totally separate from each other. He wants us to understand that these two kinds of loves help to build each other up. That agape, this transformative love that God loves all of us with, leads us into phileo, this respectful admiration where we can view each, other's, view each other as brothers and sisters. Okay, with all of that background uh, in the background, let's turn over to our passage in John chapter 11 today because we're going to encounter a very fascinating story. And uh, this is the story uh, where Jesus comes to Lazarus, who's, who has died and resurrects him. And so listen to these words from John's gospel, uh, the 11th chapter, starting in verse 1. It says, a certain man, Lazarus, was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this illness isn't fatal. It's for the glory of God so that God's Son can be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. After two days, he said to his disciples, let's return again to Judea. The disciples replied, Rabbi, the Jewish opposition wants to stone you, but you want to go back? And Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Whoever walks in the day doesn't stumble because they see the light of the world. But whoever walks in the night does stumble because the light is not in them. He continued, our friend Lazarus is sleeping but I am going in order to wake him up. So the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. 
They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was in a deep sleep, but Jesus had spoken about Lazarus' death. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. For your sakes, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you can believe. Let's go to him. Then Thomas, the one who was called Didymus, said to the other disciples, let's, let us go too so that we may die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was a little less than two miles from Jerusalem, and so many Jews had come to comfort Martha and Mary after their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give to you. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. After she said this, she went and spoke privately to her sister Mary. The teacher is here and he's calling for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. He had not entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were comforting Mary in the house saw her get up quickly and leave, they followed her. They assumed she was going to mourn at the tomb. When Mary arrived where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? And they replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to cry, and the Jews said, See how much he loved him. But some of them said, He healed the eyes of the man born blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was again deeply disturbed when he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead four days. But Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Thank you for listening to the word of the Lord today. The word love is used three times in this passage in John chapter 11. It comes a couple times very early on and then once more towards the end of this passage. And it's interesting the way that John uses this word love. Because the first time that we encounter this word is in verse 3. And uh, Jesus is finding out that Lazarus is ill. And they say, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. And the word here is our word for today, phileo, the one who you love, the one that you respect and admire. And then a couple of verses later, in verse 5, it shows up again, and Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But the word here in verse 5 is the word from last week, agape. And so John uh, says that Jesus has loved this family transformatively. He has changed this family. This relationship between them has been deep and intense. And then finally, again, at the, towards the end of the passage, in verse 36, it shows up once more. Uh, Jesus has begun to weep, and the crowd says, See how much Jesus loved Lazarus. And the word in verse 36 is our word for today, phileo. Jesus respected and admired Lazarus. There was mutual relationship 
between the two of them. Now, it's interesting that these two words have so much overlap. And if you don't hear anything else from me today, I hope you hear that these two words, agape and phileo, are used in John's gospel to build one one another up. That you can't have agape without also having phileo, and you can't have phileo without having first experienced agape. That these two loves build on one another and they grow together. And so I think that's really important as we talk about what it means to love God and what it means to love our neighbor, that we have to first be transformed, and after we are transformed, now we can love one another with a deep respect and admiration for each other. But I do also want to point out a couple of things that are specific to our passage today that Jesus does that I think are really interesting. And so I'm going to walk you through four things that Jesus does, and I hope that there'll be things that we can uh, kind of tie into, that we can say these are things that we can do this week to practice love amongst one another. And so the first thing that Jesus does is something that we don't often think of when we think about this idea of love. The first thing Jesus does is to wait. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, he hears that Lazarus is sick, and he decides, well, let's just stay here for a couple more days. And as the story unfolds, uh, person after person are questioning Jesus about this very decision. Jesus, if you had been here earlier, you could have solved this problem. But Jesus waits, and he says that his waiting is for the glory of God. I'll point your attention again to last week's sermon that John Mark talked about, 1 Corinthians 13. He said that love is patient. Love is patient. And so this week, when we practice love amongst one another, love patiently, and love waiting for the glory of God to be displayed. Now, Jesus doesn't only wait. He does go, and he goes to the family there, and he goes, and he, he's going to be with them, but the disciples, when they hear that Jesus wants to go and do this, have a lot of questions for Jesus because he has just left Jerusalem a few chapters earlier where they have wanted to kill him. He, he was uh, having a confrontation over this story with the man born blind, uh, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law want to stone Jesus because he healed this man on the Sabbath, and now Jesus wants to go back just a couple of days or weeks after that event. He wants to go back to Bethany, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem, and they're worried. They think, Jesus, if we go back there, surely you're going to be killed. And even Thomas says, let's go too, so that we can die with Jesus. But here's what's important about this, is that Jesus is willing to risk his own well-being because of the love that he has for Lazarus. He's willing to risk his own well-being. He goes back to a dangerous place, knowing full well that there could be serious trouble and serious consequences if he goes there. And yet he loves Lazarus enough to go anyways. And so this week, when we talk about what does it mean to love, how do we want to love, how do we want to practice love? Well, it's difficult. Because the first thing that we might need to do is we need to wait for the glory of God to be revealed in any situation. And the second thing is not much easier. It means that maybe we have to be willing to risk our own well-being in order to show somebody that we love them. Now, the easy version of this is that it's simply an inconvenience sometimes, right? That sometimes it's just inconvenient to go and love somebody else because we have our schedules, we have things that we need to do, uh, and sometimes the call to love interrupts those things. And yet, it might be even deeper than that. The love that Jesus asks us to have for one another is so transformational, it's so different from the love of this world that it might end up costing us more than just an inconvenience. But Jesus risks his well-being for Lazarus anyways. The third thing that Jesus does, and I love this, is that Jesus joins the family in their suffering. He joins them in their midst of suffering. He, He even, in verse 35, it says that he weeps with them. He's greatly distressed and troubled. All throughout this passage, Jesus, uh, it continues to tell us that Jesus feels intensely in this moment. 
He knows that he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He trusts that God will will raise Lazarus through him, and yet he still gives himself the time to grieve and to join the sisters where they're at. So, of course, when we talk about loving one another, when we talk about what does it mean to, to experience the phileo love that God has for us, we can join with those around us wherever they're at, and particularly when they're in difficult moments. The last thing that Jesus does is to raise Lazarus. Now, this one is a little bit difficult for us, right? Because I I don't think anyone in this room has the ability to raise someone else from the dead. If you do, I want to hear your story because it is amazing and you should be up here preaching instead of me. Uh, But Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I love this because he has spent time with the family grieving and now this love that he has for Lazarus leads him to do the unthinkable, to bring Lazarus back from the grave. It's an example, of course, in John's gospel. It's, a, it's a, uh, an idea of what is to come about Jesus' own life, and yet here he does this for Lazarus and for the sisters, Mary and Martha. He brings Lazarus back, to get, back from the dead, and of course it is for the glory of God. And so this week, as we talk about what does it mean to love one another, as you think about it, as you're challenged in different moments in your life, I would encourage you to trust in God. Because this is the God who loves us so much that he's willing to do the unthinkable. We spent a few minutes just a a little while ago celebrating the Lord's Supper, and Jesus gave his life for us, but he didn't just give his life, he took it back so that death would be defeated, that sin could be conquered, that the sin in our lives would be no more. And Jesus invites us into this kind of love, this love that transforms us and it changes us, and he asks us to participate in it as well, that we can practice phileo, that we can love one another as Jesus has loved us and as he loved Lazarus in this story. I love the way that Jesus shows us how to love. It's so important, it's so foundational for our journey and our faith and our walk with God to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So this week, may we practice that love. This week, may we show love to others in difficult situations. May we wait patiently for the glory of God to be revealed in and through our lives. May we join with those who need to experience the love of God. And ultimately, may we trust that what God is doing is to bring about the restoration and redemption of this world. At this time, our elders are going to gather around the room, and they would love to spend a few minutes praying with you as we continue in our worship. This morning, if you want to join the story of Jesus, if you want to experience the love of God through baptism, I would love to spend some time visiting with you down front. Would you please come while we stand together and worship? Let the wind